can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, 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 hey! Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my lovely co-host, fresh back from Beantown, um, Jane Tasha Hammer, um, coming at you live through that microphone. How, how are we doing, Janie? <laughs> I'm good. I was just sitting here wondering, thinking whether we're eventually going to get sued by the Fat Albert people for your intro. Well, if I get it, if I get an email from from the quote unquote fat Albert people, I'm going <laughs> to definitely going to be like, hold on, something's afoot. <laughs> that was it. Was the show called Fat Albert? Yeah. What, what is it called? Like, it was called. I know somebody's listening who's like a fat Albert head and they're going to be like, don't you dare. Disrespect. <laughs> who's a fat Albert head? I think okay, it, was maybe called, I'm... it was just oh, fat. Oh, oh, unfortunately, it was fat Albert and the Cosby kids. Oh um, no! So, um, <laughs> the Voldemort of comedy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think they probably just cut off that last part in order to keep their legacy intact. I'm sure. Mm. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully they won't they won't come my way. I'm just following yeah. the footsteps of Keenan Thompson, um, absolutely who famously played the character. Um, I wonder how Keenan felt about that. Wait, Keenan Thompson played Fat Albert. They, oh, like, like a, in the movie, right? They yeah, made yeah, yeah, re- the live action version of the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna, say, but there was original. It was an original show, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, you know, it was from the seventies. It started in like the okay, yeah, the early seventies, like seventy one or seventy two. Um, but it was on for a long time, for like over a decade. But yeah, Keenan played him in the in the live action movie. Mm. Um, and I think. I think Aaron Carter may have been in the movie as well. (laughs) (laughs) I like how just the mention of his name brings laughter to you. Well, (laughs) I I wish... Just his existence. I I wish all the Carters the very best, and I always have. (laughs) It's always been hope against hope with that family, yeah. I I will say, you know, I had I had different um expectations for Aaron's career. Um I'm sure Aaron did too. <laughs> Anyways, good to be back. I'm back in Chicago um after being at my parents' house for almost a full month. So um this is actually the perfect time to bring up uh our illustrious um Twitter uh, that we um, that we have set up. Um, it is uh, MWM chat. Um, that's mm. where Jane, a lot of her conspiracy theories are going to be unfolding <laughs> there. And so you can participate in what I refer to always as robust um, debate and conversation with Jane. Um, but it's all on that account. There's She has a lot of whodunits. She's putting a lot of conspiracy theories and pieces together. I love about- a, I, what I will say, I love a mystery and I love to discuss the details of. Hmm. Okay. So um, we'll let those pieces, you know, scatter about the floor. 
Um, you know, I also am always up for mysteries as I crack the code on the whole elusive Chantus, Mariah Carey theory. Mm, I know a lot mm-hmm. of the gays are probably salivating. Um, and yeah, we will always say her name here on the podcast. Uh, and uh, we also want you to check us out over on Instagram and at that Facebook. You know, you can find us where you always could at Movies We Missed. You know, that's our name. That's our brand. And um, we still find mm-hmm. it. Uh, we do. And, Almost you know, all the time. Absolutely. And, you mm-hmm. know, we're in 2022 now. New attitude, <laughs> yes. you know. You know, we're but we're still the same real ones we always have been. You know, some mm-hmm. things don't change because they don't need to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to keep broke. bringing you. <laughs> then fix it anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you've got money to, to waste. Um, right. <laughs> if it ain't broke, get a new one and give that one to the sibling that you kind of just tolerate. You know, mm-hmm. it's a power mm-hmm. move, really. Mm-hmm. You can just be like, hey, we're done with these toilet seats. We got some new ones. Last time I was at your house, I saw that yours were on Skid Row, Skid Mark's Row. So why don't you come and grab these, Kathy? Uh, but yeah, so Jane gave me a movie to watch this week. Um, I did. The 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie meditation you know mm. record store romp um <laughs> known as empire records um mm. and uh yeah so um i'm gonna toss toss the the volleyball <laughs> i'm gonna spike it over to jane and i'm gonna mm. let her read us um <laughs> les synopsis um for the movie i i'm i'm happy to and i'm i'm so glad you're using all these sports references i actually um know a bit about volleyball as i played it in eighth grade <laughs> oh nice okay. yeah so I'm basically an athlete. <clears throat> Anyways, put on your hats. I, I don't know what kind of hat, whatever. This is my synopsis. <clears throat> oh, Rexy, you're so sexy. At least to your aging demographic. Sun's up on Rex Manning Day at Empire Records, an independently owned music store powered by 90s alternatives who gives zero fucks, and managed by Joe, a tough-talking, no-bullshit kind of guy with a heart of gold. So what's with today? today? It's the day AJ, our grungy art student hero with model good looks, is going to tell Corey our luscious-lipped brunette ingenue who's headed for Harvard, that he's been in love with her for five years. It's also the day Corey plans to lose her virginity to her childhood crush and aging teen idol Rex Manning. On top of that, it's also the day that Lucas must reveal to Joe, who has entrusted him for the first time ever to close the store and make the bank deposit the night before, that he lost nine thousand dollars by gambling it all away in atlantic city why would lucas do such a thing with the store's money well he found out there are plans to turn empire records into a music town a chain store that jacks up the prices and has oppressive corporate rules about dress codes tattoos and working while at work When Lucas confesses to Joe that he lost the money, we find out that Joe was saving to make an offer to buy Empire Records himself, keeping it an independent, keeping it an independent store and shirking the soul crushing rules put in place by a horrifying corporate entity like Music Town. So here we are with the quirky crew of this too cool for school store in a very high stress 24 hours. 
Will AJ be able to confess his love to Corey by 1.37 p.m. exactly? Will Corey finally swipe her V-card on sexy Rexy's magnetic strip? Will Joe be able to damn the man and save the Empire? Clock in and find out in Empire Records. Ooh. It's a it's a pulsating good time. And uh It is. It is. It's a lot of a lot of will they's. A lot of will they's. I think, you know, uh, there there's a lot going on. And I tried to f- concentrate on the main stories here, but there are a lot of ancillary characters that I didn't mention within the synopsis that I think we'll we'll still go over. But I'm not worried about people knowing this movie inside and out because I feel like it's a very, very popular movie. It is. It is. It's like, it's really interesting. Like one of the most interesting thing was like things about this movie was that apparently there was like this bidding war for the script that I read about. Um, the script was written by Carol Heikkinen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I- there was like this bidding war between, um, I believe it was Paramount and, um, also, by the way, Caroline Heikkinen, um wrote um, that thing called Love, which was a movie um, that came out a few years before this one, starring River Phoenix and mm. Samantha uh, Mathis. I'm sorry, and Miranda Presley. Mm. No, I'm no, I was right. Sorry, good lord, Samantha Mathis. So she wrote that movie, which was like a moderate hit. Um, but I thought it was interesting, just because there was like this war for the script. But it appears to be that the the war was happening for the script before the script was even completed. So like, I don't Whoa. know. Dave and I were sort of talking about it, and like we came to the conclusion. Dave came to the conclusion that it probably had to do with like the indie movement that was happening around this time in the early to mid nineties, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also like the teen factor. Um, totally. That that was like sort of coming into into being. It was War- I'm sorry, it was Warner Brothers and New Regency. That's who it was, and um, they were sort of going back and forth about it. I think New Regency ended up winning. It was like her deal was like three hundred fifty thousand dollars just for writing the script, and then an extra two hundred thousand dollars if the if the movie gets made. And then what? she also got one hundred percent on any soundtrack royalties and five percent on merchandise Ooh. sales. Which oh my I thought, god. Like, what, which, That's I mean, brilliant because that is the brilliant, soundtrack yeah. is everything. But I wonder like what that actually means mm-hmm. after everybody else has gotten their cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But also it's maybe that was a gift that kept on giving in the years. Like maybe not, maybe it wasn't like a Titanic movie moment where like, you know, the soundtrack's like the number one soundtrack in the world for like a year. Mm-hmm. But maybe it was like one of those things where you just get those real cute checks like over the course of like, you know, the next decade, which is also dope. Yeah, well, I will say, I mean, this soundtrack was a huge, it was was a significant soundtrack to me, a lot of my friends, to my sister, to her mm-hmm. friends. So like, and like to Tara, this is this is a really significant movie to Tara as well when she was younger. And I think like, it, I, I think like when I found this movie, I felt like I had discovered something underground, even though it was like incredibly popular. And so it still maintained that like cool factor because it wasn't a quote unquote indie movie, but everyone like whether it was, you know, the year it came out or within the subsequent years afterwards, like it, I think like it became sort of a big hit over time, particularly with that soundtrack because man, oh God, every song, every song was a hit for me. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that like, it seems like because of like, New Regencies had this sort of affiliation with A&M Records at the time, a lot of the, the acts on the soundtrack were A&M acts. 
Um, mm. And there was also like this curating of like some up and coming talent, like the Gin Blossoms and um, groups that people didn't oh really know about yet that I think mm-hmm. also sort of fed off of and probably helped to create the sort of like intense cult following that this movie has and like the soundtrack has. And it's very much a time capsule. I feel mm-hmm. like given this movie and then the movie that you gave last week, uh, not last week, but a few weeks ago, actually, mm-hmm. um, I, reality, we did Reality Bites several weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Like this is like a similar time. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. It's that thing. Also, yeah. Dave just mentioned, which I also read. They they were in process of making a musical. Talks around it started in 2018. It, it sort of, I think, was halted when COVID happened. Right. Um, do you know what COVID is, by the way, Jane? I have heard of it. It's something like, I think it's like a, it's like a skin rash or something. Yeah. It's a, it's a skin, it's a skin rash. It's, it's not unlike angina. So okay. Akin okay. to mm-hmm. And like, I think the thing, I, I think what I've heard is when someone has COVID, um, <clears throat> you're supposed to sort of just lick them up and down in order to, um, whole get, tongue. You want to get their whole tongue and you want to suck on their individual teeth if you can. Yes, exactly. Um, if you can, depending on what they're working with, um, dentally, I guess. Oh, I thought you were going to say like, like you meant booty wise. Like, oh, no, no, I meant like dent, dent, like what kind of teeth they have, you know, then it, if then they it have any, because there's some people who don't have any teeth and that's just fine, too. And I know that, like, if somebody has COVID, the number one sign and how you're going to know is you're going to get a, a tummy ache and then you're going to be um, you're going to have the overwhelming urge to say, oh, I got COVID. <laughs> and that's how the that's how you are going to know you have it. Anyone around with an earshot is going to know you have it when they hear your moans and your coos. Um, of pain slash ecstasy anyways um so um so yeah so moving on um i hated that so much so that halted the musical apparently (laughs) but um it's still in talks to to be happening which is all really interesting because it must just be on the strength of like the lore and like also a lot of these stars of this movie went on to have really big careers we have Liv tyler we have ethan Embry, joe um God, um, Anthony, LaPaglia. Anthony LaPaglia, thank you. Mm-hmm. Anthony LaPaglia, Maxwell Caulfield al- already mm-hmm. also, you know, had a name. He starred in Grease 2 famously. Yeah. Um, Rory, you know, um, Rory Cochran. Yes, um, he, as yeah, well. He's had, Days yeah. and Confused before this, mm-hmm. which I think was a part of... Um, oh, Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger. <laughs> oh, my God. By the way, okay. So I, I was reading reviews before this, and I read a uh, one-and-a-half-star review from Roger Ebert on the film. Uh, Ugh, that basically Roger re- Ebert never gets yeah, it, man. No. And the review <laughs> was basically him just, like, reading the plot. Um, and noting a couple of performances, he liked Roy Cochran. He thought he had some mm-hmm. really nice lines. Um, he, he also thought that like um, Liv Tyler had you know star quality, which of course she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not one time mention Renee Zellweger in this film, which I thought <gasps> was so, That's so interesting. interesting. I went back and read it two more times because I was like, she's got to be in her somewhere. Didn't mention her at all. And of course, at the time, Renee Zellweger was up and coming. We hadn't had our, you know, you complete me Jerry Maguire I moment d- yet. Right. I didn't know who she was when I first saw this movie at all. No, no, absolutely not. And it's just funny that she's arguably, not so arguably, the biggest star from this film. Yeah. A she's two-time Academy Award winning actress. Like, she's, a, you know, world renowned. She's a, she's a household name. She's a household name. Um, I do want to say before we move on from the writer, the um, I think Karen, Karen, Carol Haken is, is that how we're saying it? I think it's Haken. Um, 
I want to give a shout out to her because not only did she write the thing called Love and Empire Records, but she also wrote one of the most iconic movies of the year 2000, Center Stage. And which... I never saw that movie. <gasps> oh my God. I just hold on. I'm adding it oh to my, my list. It but is. I... Okay. I do have a Center doing... Stage. Okay. We are I... doing it on this podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned because it is, first of all, it is rife for the kind of thing that you and I do. I mean, and Thought, it, what thoughtfully examine movies? <laughs> sure, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> um, didn't love that uh, guffaw. Uh, well, no, we can do some thoughtful. It's, Dave it, also it, just chimed in with "That's what we do here." Um, <laughs> so, so Brandon, no I think <laughs> you're the only one trying to class up this podcast. I've been describing this movie as very different. I usually, when people ask me, I say, "Have you heard of Ken Burns?" Oh, um, when you're talking about our podcast? Yeah, I say... Oh, it's, it's a similar vibe. Yeah, absolutely. I say we exist in the... Our podcast exists in the same world that some of his prolific um, documentaries mm-hmm. do. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I guess everything oh. exists in this world. Oh, sorry. I was just thinking while we're talking about iconic people within this movie, we also didn't mention Debbie Mazar. Or is it Mazar? Oh, yeah. I thought it was Mazar. Yeah. Is it Mazar? I never I know. But she's a huge star as well. So it's... The, it's Full of people, and yeah. before we knew any of these people, I think you, I think you, we had some like s- of some familiarity with Debbie, right? When she was, yeah, in- yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. No, we did. She was like um, around, you know, more than just Madonna's best friend. She's an actress, <laughs> and, a, and a lot of people know her, and she's been a lot of great films. Her and Andrew Barnhart, um, Barnhart. Mm. Um, I do want to play a fun game that you're going to hate me for. Um, oh, my God. Okay, let's do it. Okay. What is it? Just guess. Which of these... Oh, you're going to hate me for this. I'm okay. Gonna, oh, my God. Okay. So, the game is called... <laughs> oh, my God. What is it? I'm the so game mad is called already. Which of these people... God, you're going to attack me. Which of these people is... Um, which of these people in this film is younger than Jane? Oh, All right. Oh my god, you fucking asshole! If there was anything that was gonna end this friendship, it's just been presented to me. Okay, what do you mean? What do you mean? At People, the time like, of this, at, at the time, time of filming, everyone these, was younger than me. So thinking about that in terms of the context of this film. Um, I'm sure all of them were, and I, I, I'm sure no, Joe no, was. No, no. Okay, so we've got Joe LaPaglia. These are your three choices. Joe, Joe okay. LaPaglia, Debbie Mazar, Maxwell Caulfield. Which of these people um, was um, which of these people was younger than you at the time of making this movie? Oh, my God. If it's Maxwell Caulfield, I might kill myself. I don't know why that feels like he needs to be older than me in every context. So I'm not going to guess him. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say I might kill myself? I, th- I think you did. I'm sorry. I should not have said that. I apologize. It rolls off the tongue so easily. I will rescind that comment. Um, I, you're right. I Okay, so I'm going to go with Anthony LaPaglia. All right. Okay, it was a trick question. They're all younger than you in this movie. Oh, my God! <laughs> oh, my God! I... I I truly couldn't hate you more in this moment. Okay. How old, how old was 
Charles Max Well, Caulfield in this in this okay, movie. Okay, so so given he, the fact that this movie came out in like September twenty second, nineteen ninety five, even if this movie was made in nineteen ninety five, Maxwell Caulfield and Anthony Paglia are the same age, so they would have been thirty six. Uh, Debbie Mazar <sighs> would have been thirty one. Okay, interesting. Um, I'm thirty seven, but I'm a much younger looking thirty seven. Absolutely, that's what either of those boys, right? Yeah, absolutely, Jane. That's why it was a fun game. <laughs> For you, you fucking bitch. <laughs> um, and as everybody probably, yeah, I will say Debbie Mazar is also younger than me in this movie, although the two gentlemen aren't. Um, and I thought that was worth <laughs> noting. Um, so anyway. Um, I hate you so No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so <laughs> You don't get to make the call, baby. I can hate you without your consent. <laughs> no, you're you're fine, Jane. Um, you love that game. <laughs> Uh, also, I think it's worth I think it's worth mentioning that oh, since we're talking about Debbie Mazar, um, just randomly jumping into this movie at a weird point, Debbie yeah, Mazar, like, is I guess she's okay. Debbie Mazar's character is so strange in this film. It's like, so strange. She like okay, so she appears to the whole movie all as Jane has sort of revealed to everybody in her lovely synopsis. Um, Debbie Mazar plays a character of Jane. Hey. Um, she plays a character mm-hmm. named Jane in the movie. She appears to work for the record company or directly um, for Rex Manning, who is played by Maxwell Caulfield in the film. Um, so she like, shows, I couldn't yeah. tell if she was like his manager it's, or... I thought she was his manager when I first saw this. That's what I thought and too. And that's sort of the... the, 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 the the event that's supposed to happen today that everyone knows is going to happen. A lot of crazy stuff happens as a result of different circumstances. But the thing that everybody knows going into this day is that it's Rex Manning day, April the 8th. And it is the day that Rex Manning is supposed to come to the store. He appears to be this like once child star who's sort of attempting this comeback as like this sexy, like Fabio inspired sort of like, you know, ladies, man, you know, the, you know, we see his video called Say No More, which is apparently supposed to be no like, more, it, more more. it was supposed to apparently just be like a 17 second clip. And then apparently the, <laughs> the person who directed the video, video sent over a four, a four minute clip and was like, here you go. I don't, I don't have stuff. Um, <laughs> use it as so, you please, but it will it be coming to as, as a complete product. <laughs> absolutely. I don't do snippets. Um, so <laughs> Rex Manning is showing up at the store and he shows up and the store is, you know, in upheaval. Um, we find out about the, the money that, uh, Lucas played by Roy Cochran has gone to Atlantic city, you know, with the 9,000 planning to make good and like not done that. The opposite. Also, there's a <laughs> like- point, there's a point where Lucas goes with the money. He actually doubles it. And yeah. then he decides to bet what he's doubled. And that's when he loses everything. And I couldn't help but think, like, why didn't you? It actually reminded me of, like, one of the few times I've been at a casino where I was drugged to a casino with family members when I was in Louisiana mm-hmm. visiting family. And I, like, tripled my money, which was, like, $20. So I got, like, $60. And I <laughs> lost it all. Like, they left me. My aunt, my cousins, they went to go, like, play their own respective games. I was playing the slot game. And they had the alcohol come in. And I felt like, you know, you can tell me. <laughs> That it's like I wasn't. Brandy sitting on top of the world. Sitting on top of the world. <laughs> top of the world. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear rich celebrities talk about their problems. Stop it. Nope. Nope. Um, <laughs> even with Mace in the background in a pleather suit. I'm still not buying it. Um, <laughs> but I lost all the money and my cousin came up to me, I remember, and she was like, she's like, when you play, she was like, you, ca- you cash out constantly. She was like, you always cash out like 
and you just just bet your winnings. And it was like this this was that times like a million because it's like just take that nine k back. You've got that now, and then right. that see yeah, and then do what you want, I guess, with this other nine thousand. But like, right. come on, dude, like. It it was so frustrating. I mean, obviously, Lucas is a very frustrating character throughout this. Oh my god! Like, but also so funny. Like he his he has the best one liners in this movie. Oh, he pissed me off so much. So I'm so upset with him. I think it's (laughs) you couldn't experience it. I'm an old man now, so I think that's a part of why I was so frustrated. It was just like the irresponsibility. I know. Also, the way that he like he shows up at the he shows up at the he okay. I'm, I'm all over the place. Lucas, yeah, that's fine. No, Lucas, like, see, you know, he takes all this money. He goes to Atlantic City. He loses it. Then he shows up at the record store that morning. And he sort of mm-hmm. cryptically, you know, informs um, AJ, AJ's character, and then Ethan Embry's character, Mark. He sort of inform, informs the two of them that, like, things didn't go great. And he's sort of like, you know, something's not going to, you know, this is going to be a bad day. Then he leaves. Then he waits until, like, midday to, like, pop back up in the shop. And when he shows up at the record store, he walks in, like, this sort of smugly. And then, like, Joe, played by Anthony LaPaglia, who's now, you know, discovered the fact that, like, the money that he that he is looking for is gone. Joe, like, comes out of his office and, like, Lucas's face is, like, he's so shocked. And it's just like, what did you think was going to happen? You've had <laughs> five hours to come up with some sort of lie or some sort of, like, plan. And, in, and, like, Joe comes out of his office at the record store where he is, you know, known to be. And, like, <laughs> Lucas's face is just like, oh, I didn't see I didn't see it going this way. Um, and then he's just, like, basically, like, spins most of the movie almost, like, poking at Joe. Like you idiot like you stupid man <laughs> which i mean i can't really fault him because it's like this group of messes that you have decided to leave in charge of the store well also the the fact that like joe just takes responsibility like any other scenario like the cops would have been called i mean like hey like nine thousand dollars has been stolen from the store and it is missing and this person has admitted to that and is um was the last person you, in the store. He was he closed yeah. the store last night and we're missing yeah. $9,000. And it's like any other like response. I I understand this is supposed to be like the island of misfit kids who like Joe like takes care of or whatever. But like in reality, you can't gamble away $9,000 of the store you work with and like expect to like A, still have a job and B, not be held accountable for that Luke, in any way. Lucas literally has, <laughs> there's no, there's no, he gets his, he gets his ass kicked, which he deserves. Yeah. Um, but it's only, only, it's only after he's pushed Joe so far. He's I, he, like, <laughs> he has so many, like, like he sounds like this, like, prophet. Because Joe's, like, sit on the couch all day. Do not get up from that couch. And so he's on the couch all day just talking to everybody about their problems. And one of the guys, I think AJ at one point, is like, you sound like the guy from The Karate Kid. Like, what's going on with you? When did you get so, like, zen and, like, philosophical? And he's just, like, spitting that all day. And it's like, you are absolutely off your rocker for someone who just lost this store nine thousand dollars to be talking like that (laughs) also not a care in the world not a care in the world he is just smug and cheeky and dropping one-liners and like dancing and yeah it's given me 
<laughs> it's given me Cherie Whitfield, who gonna check me boo? Because it's just like... Because <laughs> it's just, true, because nobody is gonna check you. Nobody's checking him. So mm-hmm. so that's happening. And then we also get like our G.I. Jane fantasy and Robin Tunney. Oh, you know? such a gay root for me. Oh my God, Deb I Going to the bathroom, being hot to begin with, and then shaving her head and being hotter, and then also being complicated and like depressed. Like, girl, let me make out with you and fix you. Oh God! The name of Chris Martin. Here we go. Um, so it's also funny because I find myself thinking in this movie, like I, I keep trying to like put my finger on how well everybody knows each other because sometimes mm. they seem like they know each other really well, and then other times it's like. Do you two know each other at all? Like, there's a moment when, like, we see Deb, who, you know, I'm such an old man. I'm just like, God, you've left that hair all over the bathroom. I know! I thought the same thing! I had such a different reaction now as an adult watching. She's like, she when she shaves her head, and then she comes out, and AJ's like, whoa, where'd your hair go? Or, you had hair when you went in there. And she goes, yeah, it's still in the sink if you want to glue it because he's like gluing the coins to the floor and i was like you left your hair in the sink fucking gross man (laughs) and you know it wasn't clean and then um and then she's like she's like for some reason randomly later on in the movie we discover that her and Liv tyler's character of Corey have this animosity you know shared between them and she's got a little bit of um deb has a little bit of animosity with gina as well played by renee zellweger um Mm -hmm. but there's this moment where like randomly deb is like in what looks like maybe like a listening booth at the store Mm. and joe comes up to her and he's like hey and she's like oh i'm just getting started on taxes she goes i'm doing the quarterly tax returns and i was like Inch, this girl is like 16, like, Joe. Why do you have access? This is your problem, Joe. This is why you're 9K short. Why do you have access? Why are you privy to this information? She is you literally don't let a sitting... teenager do that? No, no. And why are you nooked away in this corner doing it? I want you doing it on the open so I can walk by and, you know, make sure the T's are crossed and I's are dotted. This is, like, this is the IRS. You do not play with the IRS. That's like the one thing you okay. know, like, you know, no. you don't fuck with. Okay, so I have a meaningless anecdote. Um, okay. So when I was like 15 and I was looking for like my first job job, I'd gotten a car. My mom was like, okay, you have to pay like the insurance on it. And we got it with cash. Nobody cares. Um, but it was like insurance <laughs> is your responsibility and gas is your responsibility. So I had to get mm-hmm. my first job. And I remember like, I was, no, I was 15, I was 16. I remember mm-hmm. driving around and looking for a job. And I went to the strip mall and I went to all of these different. Um, I thought you were going to say strip club. I went to this strip club, um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm here, um, and I'm ready to work. Um, I went to this uh, strip mall, work. and there were all of these shops. I filled out applications everywhere, and nobody wanted to hire me. And then I go into this this um, Great Clips hair salon, and it's full of the entire staff. There's one black woman, and then it's an entire staff of um, of South Korean um, people working. And mm-hmm. I was like, they are not going to hire me. I know they're not. The manager, his name is Boone. He was very sweet. He had me fill out this application. He introduced mm-hmm. me to this woman named Bunny, who's, who's really running the show. It was Bunny mm-hmm. was really the one. Um, Rita Ooh, was the black woman who worked in the, the name back. Bunny. It's that's a great like, name. That's a and great, she was, it's a great name to be an authoritative woman, I feel like. Yeah, no. And she was a lot of fun too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I was like, this was the place I knew of all the places that applied. I was like, they're not going to hire my black ass. So I <laughs> fill out my application. I get home. And, you know, and at, I, at that point, too, I'd been, like, really, like, I'd been stopping for pizza, hanging out with friends <laughs> at their houses. I get two applications in and come at home. And my mom be like, good job. Like, they won't hire me. Um, <laughs> I've applied everywhere. <laughs> I've applied everywhere. You try and find a place that hasn't seen this face today. Um, <laughs> and I get home. And, like, we have an answer machine because I'm old. And the answer machine messages like from Great Clips, and they're like, "You got the job." I'm like, oh, "Damn!" So I became the receptionist. <laughs> now I gotta work. Now I gotta work. And I became the receptionist at Great Clips, which was actually a lot of fun. Rita, the black woman who worked there, she was a lot of fun. She always mm-hmm. read romance novels, and she read a lot of like black romance novels. Mm. And she would just give them to me when she was done with them. She would let me read them. Like I'd give oh them back God, to her, but like so much fun. But it was. An education, to say the least. Um, <laughs> and I remember some of those books were just like, oh my God. Like, A, I can't believe you were sitting back there reading this. And B, I'm at the front counter just like reading this book. <laughs> just describing, you know. Like they erotica. Were all, and they were all very like, you know, as erotica tends to be, but very like woman-centered. So it was all about like the mm-hmm. woman's pleasure and me just being like, oh, that's how that works. Um, so <laughs> I remember that. But the thing that I remember And you most, were like, this is useless for me, but... I was like, oh yeah, no, me too. Everything in here, this is sexy for me. Um, and I remember like the, the manager of the store who was so sweet. He like, early on, and this is the first job I've ever had. He like, he was like, okay, so this is what you're going to do. You're at the register. You're going to like take people's money. You're going to like let people know and let, let the, you know, the um, stylists know when their clients are here and, you know, mm-hmm. give clients to people who just sort of come in, walk-ins, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay. And then the other thing you're going to do is you're responsible for the money. So like you come in, so you count all the money at the end of the night, you make sure that everything is balanced out. You go on the little credit card machine and you settle for the, like with the bank for that day, you mm-hmm. take all the money, you go in the back, you, there was a safe built into the floor. You put the code in, the safe opens, you put the money in, then I come and get the money. But it's like, I would do it even in on the days that I didn't work. I had like the, oh God, I'm going to get anybody in trouble. This was 30 years ago though. Um, But <laughs> I had the code and a key. So I would like come into work even on days that like I was in, I was, I did like, um like uh plays and stuff. Like even if I didn't work, that day. I would still come in right. and go in and settle for the day. So I was responsible for like Oh my the god, you're like <laughs> it's like and it's even wild. on your off days? It's wild. And I remember it was only me and Bone who we were responsible for. And I remember one time, like the money was off. The money was off by like a lot. And I don't know what <laughs> happened. But I remember Boone like called me and I showed up at the store and it was like past hours and he was like crunching the numbers and he couldn't figure it out. And I I was better with math, a little bit better with math than him. So sometimes he would just refer to me or ask me to come in and look at things. And he was like, the money's off. And we were off by a lot, like $200 or something. And like, oh, Boone just was like, and then we couldn't figure it out. And then Boone just pulled out his wallet and he was like, just put this in there. And he just like gave me $200 to put in like the bag to take to the bank. Cause he was like, I don't want to deal with it. Cause he was like, he was the manager. Wow. He wasn't the owner. And I think he was right. like, just, yeah, just I'm not whatever. getting held. I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I don't want this. I don't want to deal with this anymore, basically. And oh it wasn't until God. years later working other jobs. And like, I remember the next job I had, I asked the person, I was like, oh, so like, when, like, when do I settle like the accounts for the day? And I think it was probably like Starbucks or it may have been the bookstore that I worked at. And the woman looked at me and she was so shocked. She was like, why would you ever be like doing that? And I was like, <laughs> I thought that's like what you did. And she was like, no, like, you <laughs> You just you just take the money from the register and everything. And I was like, oh my God. She's just like, 
she has no idea about my last job before this where I had like grown man responsibilities. Yeah. At, like, oh my 16 God. years old reading That's a lot. romance novels. It was a lot. Um, <laughs> but so I guess I will say that I, I say all that to say I sympathize a little bit with Robin because I mean, I guess like sometimes, I guess in the, in the nineties, in the early aughts, we were really trusting the tots and we were, <laughs> we, <laughs> which we definitely should not have been doing. No, I, There was no way at 16, I would have been able to balance anybody's books, let alone my own. I didn't have books. No, I'm sure know. my math was messy. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, and I think I told my mom about it later. I, it was just what I did, and it was boring. And I never thought to like share with my mom that I did it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I brought that up to her like years later, and she's like, "What? Why would they let you do that? I would never <laughs> let you near my checkbook. Like, why in the world are you responsible for?" A and I'm your like, own mother. Yeah, like a business's <laughs> daily like earnings. Like, no, you are not that girl. And <laughs> she was correct. Um, well, one of the, one of the thing to bring it back to the movie. One of the thing this movie did for me as a youth was it gave me a really false sense mm-hmm. of what it would feel like to work retail. Oh my God. <laughs> because honey, it is not this good. First of it all, so boring. nobody works around here. Everybody's doing different things. They're doing art projects. They're doing fake funerals. They're trying to have sex with a teen, you know, a former teen idol in, in the count out room, as they say. And like, you are not best friends with the people you work at at your part-time job when you you're maybe 16. have one you maybe have, you like, may have one, one but like a, i promise you, you're probably never gonna see that person again like chances are so slim and also it's like nobody cares that much about the place that they work for when you're 16 you are anti-establishment in every way and you're not like oh i need to save this music store that i work for that i make eight dollars an hour at like eight dollars <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much. Richie Rich over here. <laughs> five dollars an hour. Yeah, I don't know how much. Making you... Maybe five. I feel like. Yeah, they were really involved and all involved in each other's life, and, and obviously that made it like fun to watch. But like that is well, not that's real. a really boring movie. The one based in reality where people show up and they're like, <laughs> the store is being sold in Music Town. It's like, I'm like oh, okay. I don't care. So I guess I'm gonna I gotta go find another to... job. I'm like, yeah, well, can I still work for... here? Because I exactly do. I, still I have a job? the paycheck is the only important thing to me. But I, will I say... my my my. Sorry, real no, no, like no, no, my no. my MySpace quote. Way to age myself, but when I had a MySpace account, like you, you could put like a quote underneath your picture, and the quote for mine for years was, "I've always just wanted to work at Empire Records," and like. <laughs> it's So true. It's this is what I oh, I've always wanted a job. Zero work, one hundred percent fun. <laughs> Well, here's what I will say. Two things. One, this is this is like Generation X, so this is before us. Um, yeah. So maybe that has something to do with this vibe. We weren't really around at this. We weren't. We weren't in the mix like this. We were children. So like, no. Maybe I was ten or eleven like, when this movie yeah. came out. Yeah. So this is like the end. So we weren't a part of this generation, and maybe there was this sort of type of like recklessness and like freedom within that we didn't really have. I do know that like any job that I've had, I always really celebrated any time where we were overstaffed because that allowed me um, <laughs> to sort of take a step back a little bit. Um, yeah. And, I don't um, remember that ever happening at any job I've ever had. I've had jobs like that where I looked staff. around and I thought like, this is this is going to be my, my moment to slip away for a moment to catch my <laughs> breath and enjoy it. A I remember bit like 
working in restaurants, I would be annoyed because eventually someone would get cut early and then you'd mm. make less money. So being overstaffed was always a bad thing working in restaurants. Oh, yeah. I feel yeah. like it's I feel like in restaurants it's probably harder for something like that to occur, but I feel like in like retail, it's like there are those moments or or you'll be like, Oh, I'll go, I'll work in the back. I'll work in the store in the storeroom, like, you know, unboxing mm-hmm. like new merch and stuff like that, which is really good because it's like they forget you're back there usually anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you have a big enough storeroom in the back, you just sort of go as far back as you can. And when you hear that pitter patter of the assistant manager's <laughs> um Mary Jane's, <laughs> you pop your head out and you're like, Oh hey girl. Yeah, no, I was just checking back here because uh, fill in blank with lie. Um and there was there was a lot of that. But yeah, I, I was I I did way more retail than I did like food service. So I see I did opposite. I did more food service than retail for You probably sure. made more money than me too, because that's the other thing is that when you're working food service, there is the potential <clears throat> typically for like tips and it is a little bit more unpredictable in terms of like what you can walk away with. And when you're working right. retail, there it's are no tips like, and it's gonna be what it's gonna be. And yeah, whether or not I'm it's out definitely here worth it because you can make more money. But I think the thing is too, it's like it's inconsistent and yes. Also, I was spending all of it because it was all cash. So I would like, and I actually did working in restaurants. It was like a really fun period of my life where it was like you'd work and like make, you had friends with people you're working with. And this was when I was a little bit older, I think, than the people in this movie. I was like in my early 20s. And then you would get a bunch of cash and then you would go out all night and spend your cash. Oh, so sure. that was fun. Yeah. yeah but the job really itself, not fucking Was fun. not the jam, no. I mean, no. I, 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 but I, you know, and also like this was sort of the peak of like the record store, you know, like trying mm-hmm. to get to that Sam Goody, trying to get, I remember when the Virgin, um, when that Virgin went up, I remember at a mall nearby and it was like, oh, I'm going to be here listening <laughs> to these headsets with the top, with the top 40 all um, day long. Hello. The huge HMV store in Harvard Square I would go there almost every day after school, listen to stuff, like go look not at the buy CDs. Anything. No, of course not. Go buy the C- go look at the CDs I wanted to buy but had no money to buy. Like I loved the experience of a It was a full fantasy, yeah. And but I don't think that like ex- I, I don't think that exists at all no. in any way no. anymore whatsoever. There's no, no they're all closing s- down now. Yeah. There's but unless you go to like an actual like vintage record store, mm-hmm. there is no place like this anymore whatsoever yeah. where you go to buy music because you buy music online exclusively. Yeah, that's true. Music, um, and also like um like books, the same thing. I mean, all the bookstores yeah. are disappearing. Unless you go to like a small town or it's like a niche bookstore that like the community is really rallied behind, then yeah, it's tough to like. I try, I do try to go to bookstores more often because those are a little bit more, um, those occur a little bit more than uh, record stores. No, yeah. Although it's funny because now records, obviously, vinyl is having like a huge like renaissance, and it has been for the last like ten years or so. Yeah, and you know, people are really I, into it. You guys have I, a lot yeah. of records. You guys listen to vinyl. We we do we do listen to uh we do listen to a lot of records. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's but it's different. You know, the quality is different. Like the sound quality, it. it, it I don't know. I've sound. I'm mm-hmm. not an audiophile at all. But like, mm-hmm. it does. It does sound different. It, there's like this soul to it. You know, especially if you get like a really good like older record and like you can hear like the scratches mm-hmm. and like this. It. it just, there's something about it that worn in sort of feel. It. It has like more of a life to it. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I hate everything I just said, but it's true. But also, I <laughs> punch myself in the face. Um, I so. mean, it's uh, anybody who's like into records is like just like by definition an annoying person. But I, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like anyone who like is like, oh, you got to listen to this on vinyl. It's like, I mean, I'm sure it would be an enjoyable experience, but like I've heard the song. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I get it. I get why that's nice, but I don't think I have to listen to anything on vinyl. And I just am tired of people telling me what I have to do. No, and I get it, and you should be. Um, also, I want to note that I'm such a dummy that at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, I was like, what's he doing in Vegas? No. no. <laughs> um, well, they never say, actually, I was thinking about this, because they never say where Empire Records is, but I assume it's, like, in New Jersey somewhere, because Atlantic City is New Jersey, so it's, like, drivable. But it's clear that it's not like in New York City, you know For what sure. I mean? So I'm thinking it is New Jersey, but well, it's they don't actually say. they say it's Delaware. Oh, do they? When mm-hmm. when did they say that? Oh, I, that was I'm sorry, that was just in what I what I read multiple places. It was like it's a uh, fictional town in Delaware, and I thought, huh, I know nothing about Delaware. I know nothing about Delaware. And I've never this met is... anybody from Delaware. If we have any this Delaware is... listeners out there, we'd love to hear about it. Feel free. I you mean, know all of our social media handles. Give us a give us a Twitter. The only person I've ever met, or the only person I know who's like famously from Delaware, is like Joe Biden. Um, but oh, really? Well, I think he like grew up in Scranton, but he moved to Delaware. But all oh it's like, yeah, Scranton isn't there is what something about like businesses like do like there's like some sort of ta- obviously you would know as a business owner. I know you have your um my auto your text shop? your t- oh. You have your auto shop, and you've also mentioned a textile company as well in yeah. the past. I'm a little magnet. <laughs> I got a lot of my hands on a lot of cookie jars. Absolutely, yeah. So I'd love to know sort of what it is about Delaware and why people um, create like businesses in Delaware. Is there some sort of tax situation, or what is it? Yeah, it's a tax haven for corporations, um, mm. and um, also it is <laughs> um, it's got some of the the best people. Um, in America, people that really, um, they pull themselves mm. up by their bootstraps. Um, mm. <laughs> there's a lot of hustle. No, no, um, no government handouts for those people from Delaware. Um, that's not why they're there. They're there because of the right. culture that they collectively create. There's a lot of know-how. Mm. Um, there's mm. not a lot of belly aching. You're not going to find that in Delaware. Um, I would love to know what sort of people. I would love to know sort of like what is like a, a cool tourist attraction in Delaware. Oh my God. You're talking uh, about like the Delaware mines? <laughs> what kind of, okay, so what kind of mines do they have in coal. Delaware? Coal. Oh, coal. That's like actually coal where mine. Canary in the coal mine com- comes from. Is um, Oh, like that Delaware. phrase started in Delaware? Delaware, yeah. Papyrus about, is also like, really popular in Delaware. So, so, but the mines are a tourist destination? Is there anything else Yeah, in people go and like putter around. The opening. People go into coal mines and putter around. They don't go like in. I mean, but they famously, go around like, the openings. Uh, uh, famously dangerous coal mines. People, they just allow people to putter around. There's Something, not well, you can't stop people from tours. doing what they want to do. <laughs> yes, you absolutely can. Were you here on January the sixth? <laughs> I know you got to be excited about your anniversary coming up from the oh day. What did you say? The day we took back the country? Is that what you said on your, on your personal Twitter account? <laughs> if you do know my personal Twitter account, it's literally just constant left left wing politics. So 
you, you know, check it out. You'll you'll see this slander that Brandon is. Um, no, Jane's. It's, it's you mess with the bull, you get the hammer. Is I think what <laughs> what she goes by online. So look her up and don't let her get away with it. I've been really putting pressure on her for years. Um, but yeah, so um, so I also thought it was funny in this movie that when somebody calls in the record store at the beginning of the movie, they say they close at midnight, which just feels yes. Crazy to me. Um, yeah, but Empire I guess, Records. This is Mark speaking. Open or Empire Records open till midnight. This is Mark speaking or whatever crazy. it is. Crazy. Um, that is so late for a record store. There's nothing good happening after like ten. Not no. Anything s- happening after ten is nefarious. <laughs> like says the old man sipping his sleepy time tea. <laughs> hey, watching from and watching from the window. Me and my cats <laughs> keeping an eye on the neighborhood. We don't see it if it goes down. <laughs> um i also noted ethan embry is in this movie and i also said that i wrote in my note that ethan embry and matthew lillard must have just been duking it out for parts during this oh my god um, i'm period. sure it's like we're sure. zany like dirty blonde you know lanky dude and it's just the would you not say that auditions. ethan embry is more of a redhead okay i'll give you that okay Maybe a little bit. Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe I think maybe that a, adds to his quirk. <laughs> a little bit. The little quirky redhead moment. I love him in this part, though. He's so adorable. It's like, yeah. he's just, so, he's so sweet. Although there is that one moment where that ballet dancer is listening to music. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, dancing and, like, putting his leg up. And he's, like, dusting around her. And he, like, without any context or without any lead up, he just like tries to go in for a kiss. And I was like, what is that, Bark? It was the 90s and consent <laughs> was more theory at that point. Um, also, that ballet dancer was Maxwell Caulfield's stepdaughter. I did see that. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah, okay, that was so you've been on my blog then. Uh, uh, famously, always. I don't do anything without reading your blog first. Good. And everybody else shouldn't too. Um, Do you want to share um, your web address for your blog real quick? I'll I'll link it um, at the end of the um, at the end of the post. Um, but most people really know that it's uh, it's the greenhouse effect. dot blogspot. dot org. <laughs> dot gov. Backslash, backslash yeah backslash dot rr dot fl. <laughs> um but yeah um <laughs> so really trail off the end there. It, you know it's we're still figuring some stuff out i'm gonna talk to my webmaster mm-hmm. and then i'll mm-hmm. be back mm-hmm. you know because i've got a person who works on mine i don't build my own <laughs> I don't <laughs> my own websites it's gauche um i have a person who does that stuff for me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah so we've got maxwell caulfield who i don't know who this character is inspired by um, we're in it the makes 90s. me think of like a like a David Cassidy. That's the type okay. Of that's character. The, that was kind of the thing. Although I don't remember, did David Cassidy have like a comeback, like as like an adult that was like in the early nineties or something? That was like, honey, if him you did, sort of I like, wasn't I'm there a, for it. I know. I, I don't as I know. asked the question, I was like, if anybody's gonna know about this, it's gonna be. I want to. I want to go on the record right now saying that. Everything I know about David Cassidy comes from his VH1 behind the music. <laughs> oh, that that, that's how I found out is... about Leif Garrett. Oh, me too. Leif Garrett was the I didn't I'd never heard of him before his VH1 behind the music either. And he whew, he li- he lived it, man. <laughs> Did he ever? Yeah, so it looks like I am seeing that there was in the early 90s there was a little bit of a comeback it looks like. Um, for David Cassidy? Yeah, he he what, at least he, with what song? Um it looks like I I don't know if I don't know if there was success, I will say. 
Mm. But it looks like he released, um, he started releasing music and stuff. I found, I literally found a headline that says David, David Cassidy hits his comeback, hits the comeback trail um, from 1990. <laughs> um, I don't know if it probably didn't come to fruition the way that um, one would hope for. Um, I mean, who yeah. knows? I wasn't really around. I mean, I was around, but I was, you know, You were six rolling years around old. on the floor, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely don't remember, like, my mom playing any of the new Johns from uh, old David Cassidy. I don't house. either, but I don't think my mom would ever play any David Cassidy. He wasn't really... He was always sort of in the shadow, I feel like, of, like, Donnie, though. Donnie and Marie really had the game on lock, and it was, like... <laughs> The Osmonds. I just think my parents like didn't really like that kind of music, so it didn't really make an appearance in my household. You know, Marie really was that girl for a moment. You know, Um, was she like? What is she? What's what's a Marie Osmond song? There's like "Have You Heard Paper Roses." It's a really pretty song. No, it was from like this was like this was like in the early '70s, I think, like her early teen years. But it was a pretty big song. And that was after, like, the Osmonds had sort of come out and the Osmonds themselves were pretty um, successful. It was more like country. That was sort of the lane that they put her in. Um, as, I like, want because Donnie was, of course, famously a little more rock and roll. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> but also, also that song, that line, that song always threw me because it was like, are you a little more rock and roll, Donnie? Or are you're you like the middle absolute, America, like, milk toast human you're being. You're like middle America palatable, <laughs> like rock and roll. But the Osmonds like, were also, no, the Osmonds <laughs> were also competing hardcore with the Jacksons at this point, too, because mm. Donnie was supposed to be, I mean, it's but the Jacksons were far more famous than the Osmonds. And the, yeah, they? yeah. But you know, they were like the white, like, you know, milk toast equivalent, probably <laughs> for the people that still didn't want those dark records being played in their houses, I'm sure. It was like, <laughs> oh put on that cool God. rock and roll Osmond album instead. I don't want to hear this, I want you back, you know? I don't want to hear him talk about, you know, his ABCs. Not mm. in my house, not with those afros. Um <laughs> so yeah, I can only imagine. Um and so also there was a moment in the movie when one of the store employees comes in and says that they just raised my rent. And I was confused because I was never 100% sure on the ages of these people. I know that Corey is getting ready to go to Harvard, I believe. Yes. And I think um, AJ is maybe a year. Corey is Liv Tyler and AJ is her love interest. And, and he's what's the AJ's one who name says. Because uh, you had Liv Tyler on the tip of your tongue. So what's the actor who played AJ's name? Um, obviously, uh, Johnny yeah. Whitworth. So it's a uh, Johnny Whitworth. I said Is obviously, uh, <laughs> um, Johnny Whitworth, the famous Johnny Whitworth, who is you know in oh he's like in stuff. Well, he was in Limitless and Three Ten sure. to Yuma. Cool. He doesn't have a he. Oh, he was in a TV series called Blind Spot. He's done things. He's working. Yeah. Um. So. I guess they're kind of like early adulthood, like late teens. Ethan Embry looks like he's like 15 in this movie. So I know. I mean, I know Ethan Embry was a grown man in this film, but I'm just saying like. He looks young. But they're supposed to be in various stages of high school. So I think like AJ is maybe like a year out of high school, maybe because he talks about his But Gina strikes me as like a grown woman. But I think Gina and Liv Tyler and Gina and Corey are supposed to be the same age. Oh, okay. And like in high school together. I, that's what I, that's the impression that I got because she when Gina has her little like breakdown and she's like yeah minimize I, it Jane little 
<laughs> when she talks about not wanting to become her mother and she's like, my mother's life ended after high school. I think she's implying that she doesn't want that to happen for her, meaning she's about to leave high school. It's like you're a drop dead gorgeous like white woman. Something tells me you'll be fine. Yeah, you're going to be good. And like you're like <laughs> singing in a band at the last scene. Like you're going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that is also like another. Okay, well, first of all. Okay, so we've got like we've got Corey who. We've got Corey who kind of like. Okay, so here, okay, so I'm going to share something that I'm going to disclose. Um, So everybody knows, so Liv Tyler is technically my my half-sister. No, I'm joking. Um, So I have (laughs) actually seen this movie before. But... (gasps) What? But, okay, but here's the thing. And we've talked about this before. Some movies we will have seen before, but, like, we haven't Mm -hmm. seen it in so long. This is a movie I remember seeing like once and i saw this movie okay. when i was like like on television i probably would have been like t- 10 probably okay or maybe so you like, haven't really yeah you know i would have been like 10 yeah. or maybe 11 but i have not seen it since then so i haven't seen it in over 20 years but okay. i did the things that i remembered about this movie um so we've got Corey who is like obsessed with uh you know rex manning apparently and she really like wants something to happen with him which doesn't track no it makes no sense it's such a strange character choice Mm -hmm. and there's like i saw i what i remembered which didn't happen in this film by the way i remembered and i was like bracing myself i thought that there was a rape scene in this movie with rex manning i thought that and i thought there's a moment where like Corey has and I thought it was Corey at first I was like oh my god like I remembered like what I remembered I think was Corey like initiating some sort of sexual encounter with him and then and then reneging on you know her consent basically is what I remember which is what happens but it's but there's no contact he doesn't of them he yeah and he doesn't try to convince her no 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 but that's what I remembered okay and then we have that sort of scene unfold and then we have this, like, the scene happens. Corey goes into the break room. She insists on, like, delivering lunch to Rex Manning. He's alone in the break room. She goes in. She takes off her skirt and her top. She's in her bra and panty set. And Which Rex Manning. so bold. Like, oh, so Oh, it's really crazy bold. They also, I guess, because they were like, oh, she's a teenager. She wouldn't have a matching, matching bra and panty set. Um, well, she borrowed She borrows Gina's the bra, bra from Gina. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, she, but she, like, you know, is Liv Tyler in her bra and panties. Um... <laughs> And then also like, well, I just want to say the idea of like, that is so wild to me is like, you think like you are going to lose your virginity in the break room at work. Like, what do you like any other person who's like had a job? Like I would have like a, a lot of anxiety about losing my virginity anyways, because it's sort of a scare, not it doesn't have to be scary but it's 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 a moment it's the first time you're doing anything so like you definitely want to be in a situation where you're comfortable and i can't imagine a situation where it'd be less uncomfortable where it's like i'm trying to make this happen on like my 15 minute break from work (laughs) and like yeah and yeah and then it's like this guy and i and and so rex manning's there and then he just like pulls his penis out basically he's like like, you want to do this are you sure and then he like leans back and pulls his dick out and then she's instantly disgusted and brought back to reality and then she (laughs) grabs her clothes and runs out 
Um, and then later on, she's sort of sharing, you know, recounting the experience to her friend Gina. And Gina's trying to comfort her a little bit. And then she just, like, starts going for, like, <laughs> the jugular. And it's just, like, it's so unnecessary. And, like, Gina's done nothing to her but be her friend and support her and like, whatever mm-hmm. she wants. And she's so, it's just so cruel. And it's like, Corey, you're like this, you know, Gina's, I mean, they're both like gorgeous. Not that that matters, but you know, you're, you're this, you're this person who's about to go off to like Harvard and like, you've got like all of this stuff like coming and you're just punching down. Like, and Gina's just like trying to figure her life out, trying to just be supportive of you on whatever your your journey is. It's not like Gina tried to coerce you into doing this. It was like, oh, you want to do this? Then like, you're my girl. And like, I'm going to like help you as much as I can. Here's my bra. Like, and and she just comes for Gina in the most aggressive way. And she's so rude. And she like basically calls her a, a turbo slut, which by the way is like an incredible phrase and like definitely like a very 90s phrase like oh what am i a turbo slut i love it um i will be referring to myself as a turbo slut from now on um but it's so like shitty to a person who is just being like cool and like listening to you and knows you're upset and it's like she's She's, taking it out on her like a fucking baby she 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 says to gina I'm not like you. I can't just like sleep with any, like basically I can't sleep with any man who like breathes in my direction. Um, and <laughs> like Gina's rightfully hurt and yeah. just like, what the fuck? And she's like, well, you know, you know, since you're a whore, um, this is something that's probably old hat for you. But <laughs> being that I'm, you know, uh, a woman who's on her way to Ivy League University. Like, <laughs> I'm you... not opening my legs for just any man. But it's like, also, nobody said that you were. Nobody said mm-hmm. that Gina was. And, like, the thing, too, is, like, I think, uh, well, I think I, uh, when thinking about it a little more, I, I'm i wondering if they're trying to show us how unbalanced um, Corey's mm. mood, moods are because yeah, yeah. then later they reveal that she's like takes speed a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if that's why they make her seem so out of control in that moment. Um, because it it's, seems yeah. really shitty thing. <laughs> but it's also when lot. you're 16 or 17 or 18, however old she is, it's like yeah. y- y- it's hard to regulate your moods anyways. Cause you and your brain can't... hasn't finished forming yet. Right. That is true. I just wanted to say something wild. <laughs> um, but thank you for supporting me. You're um, welcome. But so, so they have James I like, just said, correct. I, uh, I don't know. What I just said with right without like knowing anything. I was just like, all right. That, that is true, though. That is true. Your brain hasn't. Finished and no, I think it is true. I, I think that's. Is you're the one. Drink, well, you're just the drinking. doctor. Excuse me. You're the doctor, aren't you? I thought you were a brain surgeon. Well, I'm a doctor of many things. Um, medicine not being one of them. Okay, so you're not a doctor. Well, I'm, I would say I'm, I have my doctorate in having a good time. I've and seen that. you hand out prescriptions to people, though, before. <laughs> and this now calls that into question. And I guess well, there knocking was, your, there knocking was in your back door sh- should have been a sign to me that that was the way you were doing it. But... There was a short period of time in, <laughs> you know, I think the statute of limitations has run out on this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you, <laughs> but, well, I'd say be sure before whatever yeah. you say next. But I did steal a prescription pad and started writing out prescriptions for people who wanted them. What? What? Jane, What's wrong with that? Are you Dr. Death, Jane? 
<laughs> oh, oh my god, did you listen to that podcast? Wait, which one? Dr. Death. Are you talking about the first one? The real one? The yeah, start of the whole thing? Dr. Dunch, yeah. Yeah, there's a new one though. Is, oh, there is? I think there's a new one, like a different doctor. <gasps> oh, I gotta listen. Well, you know, there's like, a, I didn't see the television show, but I saw it was like the, the Dr. Death, the Dunch one. It's I, I didn't watch it, but it's Joshua Jackson and Christian Slater. <laughs> I watched like the first episode and I was like, oh, I, you know, I really liked the podcast. I don't, I don't feel like I needed the TV show. I'm sure a lot of people enjoy it, but I was just like, eh, I don't need it. The, the, po- the podcast was compelling enough. But I did see it. And I was curious. It was like Joshua Jackson, like, oh, okay, maybe, um, maybe I'll give it a go. Maybe, I'll, yeah, maybe I'll give it another go. Did you see those, those Christmas ads with Joshua Jackson and Jody Turner? For no, J-Crew. for, for J-Crew. no. Oh my god, they were just it, this is so wonderful. It was like just out there being one of the beautiful. best. Yeah, it was like one of the best marketing decisions. Like I was just like, these are just good. Like I love them as a couple, and yeah. like I just like I like Joshua Jackson also because it's like Jody Turner is devastatingly beautiful. Joshua Jackson is a nice looking. He's like a he's a but I mean he's she a nice looking guy, him. but she's model esque. Yeah, and he knows it, and like he's just like along for the ride, and it's like you got it, you got to. So love it. <laughs> in love with her, which I love. Like I love when I see uh, a male female couple, and the guy's just like sickeningly in love with her. Thank you, Jane. Uh, Was that in uh, reference to me and Dave and the way he looks at me? <laughs> I just like men being in the palm of a woman's hand. That's what I like. And that is... He's not, does, he's not in my hand, but... And again, this does not apply to you and Dave. Because what I'm talking about... And, and maybe you're identifying differently these days. And, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but... No, Jane, tell me a little bit more about the binary, yeah. Because, look... I, whatever you know, I support you. So you just let me know, and I'll show you. Somebody's using the been hanging out with R and B singer Joe because you stutter, stutter <laughs> um, over your words. So anyway, um, it's really wonderful. You guys should look it up. It's really great. Um, but back to this, uh, the journeys we go on on this podcast, and you you <laughs> so love it, or you would still be listening. Um, but yeah, they have this huge fallout and then it like, it bleeds back over into work in one of the most dramatic and unnecessary scenes in movie history. Um, we have like the full on breakdown that occurs <laughs> after Gina decides. So, you know, a part of Corey's whole thing is like, I, I'm, and I'm putting a little bit of, little bit of this on the situation, but Corey seems to be a person who sort of is goal oriented. And a part mm-hmm. of me thinks that because of that in her mind, this is what was going to happen today. I'm going to go in. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to have sex with Rex Manning. Who's there to do like this, like, you know, CD autograph signing for signing. his autograph signing for his new album. It's a line full of like women of a certain age. And then like any younger people in line, make it very clear to him. Like I'm only here to get this autograph for my grandmother who died. Um, <laughs> it's like, so like they want you to know that like his fan base is not them. Um, <laughs> so he's struggling against that and his like shellacked hair and like silk shirt. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter to Corey cause she wants what she wants. And then she gets in the room with him. It's, it's, this isn't the fantasy that she thought it would be shockingly losing Virginia in a break room at work. Isn't all that it sounds like it's going to be when you read about it in the, the novellas. Um, and then it's like Gina sort of being offended is like, Oh, you think I'm a hoe? I'm, I'm going to show you what a hoe is. And so Gina shows up at the, at the record store and she starts flirting with Rex Manning who she has no interest in, but she's no. got to prove a point. Um, and so her and Rex, I- 
my note from that was like, I honestly, I remember when I was a kid thinking it was so shitty of Gina to do this to Corey. And now as an adult, like, I don't think revenge is a as good a, thing. As a grizzled adult who's, <laughs> who, knows the, who knows the stench of disappointment. You're what? like, yeah, she's got to learn this lesson the hard way. No, I'm not defending Gina. Jane was singing, literally singing, that's what friends are for during this scene. I'm not defending Gina's... Get her. No, I think she did this very thing to hurt Corey, and that is not good. But as an adult, instead of vilifying her, I understand why she makes the move that she does because she was so hurt by the things that Corey said about her. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so she was like, the way that I know to hurt Corey back is to do this. So I understand. Again, I don't think when someone hurts you, the move is to do something to hurt them back. I think the move is to hold that person accountable. But I understand is all. But she's also (laughs) using she's also using the thing that Corey used to hurt her against her. Mm-hmm. So she's almost exactly. in a way she's flipping it on itself, and she's like, you're "Oh, right. if you're going to call me a whore, then I'm going to behave like a whore." And right. you're, you know, and and through doing that, she's also providing this mirror up to Corey of everything that Corey say, isn't. Behave. Oh, like I'm so. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's like behave like what you. Would I just mean. I just. I mean, she's to I just as mean, a whore, but yeah, yeah. And in a way, also though, I, I also don't mean that word in a negative connotation. Um, if right. you all know my friend Amber Rose, um, she does you know her walks or slut walks in L.A. She's reclaiming mm-hmm. the word. That's sort of like the way that I that I mean of just taking this. Well, thing. Amber Rose is like amplifying that because she has an audience but they're like community organizers and stuff really started the slut walk and for she sure, was like for sure. brought it so yeah I just want to give for sure. power no, to those Jane, you know Jane was one of the organizers um, I was so, not but I uh, fully support the slut walk but I just mean like it's like Corey's way I mean I mean it's Gina's way I think of of trying to empower herself I think mm-hmm. she realizes that she's gone about it in the wrong way and I think that the intentions are really what are really what what make it not the right move if you know what I mean, right? This isn't you're just, something you're that's... ultimately. It doesn't matter who you, how many people you sleep with, like no. whatever you want to do. It's fun. Have your good time as long as you're happy and safe and not hurting and anybody. Everything's that's great. consensual. Everything's as well, Jane. consensual. <laughs> what? <laughs> but. Uh... Gina is doing this with the to, intention to of get back someone. at her, but I and think that's through, what makes it bad. But I think through doing it, she's also using it as a means to highlight the quote unquote prudishness of Corey. You know, right. and it's also Something like that she I, wishes. I think I think she wishes she didn't have. You know, yeah, and I think also it's it's her sort of like. In a, in a way, highlighting, like, the other side of the quote-unquote good girl. Like, the, like I'm not the only one who's got hang-ups, and I'm not the only one who's got things that I have to work through, basically. Like, right. you know, and, I, and so I think that in the moment, it's also sort of that thing of, like, I want to feel anything other than what I'm feeling, and this is going to mm-hmm. help that to be the case. So, also, it's like, you think you're better than me, that I'm going to take the thing that you want. Because exactly. I know how to do this, Yeah. Even though the whole thing fell apart because you opted not to do it. I know. <laughs> but yeah, still, exactly. but still, I mean, that's like if you like somebody in school and then you decide you don't like them anymore. It doesn't mean you want your best friend to start dating them, you know, like. Right. Um, and it's also like less about the fact that like she is doesn't necessarily want Rex Manning. It's like her idea of who she 
thought he was was entirely shattered, which is like devastating. And I'll actually raise you one further and say that her idea of who she thought she was was mm. also shattered. And I think that yes. that was also devastating. Mm-hmm. I think the reality of the fact that she couldn't do this thing that she thought she would be able to do. I think it was both of them. So I think it's the dream of this man that she'd idealized and also mm-hmm. this sort of version of herself that she'd probably placed on a pedestal. And like mm-hmm. this opportunity to sort of evolve or to like, you know, negotiate a new aspect of her identity. Also like being met with like the reality of the moment, which is I can't follow through on this because of whatever reason. Um, Mm -hmm. is like, damn, I didn't do the thing. And I think that she seems, that's why I said earlier, I think she's a goal-oriented person and I think she sort of sets a path and it's like, I'm going to complete these things. And honestly, in the mind of type A Corey, I'm sure it was sort of like, this is a thing that I'm going to do today. This is on my list. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to lose my virginity. It's going to be to him. I'm going to borrow this bra from Corey. She's got the sexy bra. Like, all of it. And so I think it was Gina, thank you. Um, But then, you know, Gina comes back. She's, you know, flirting with Rex Manning. They go into the copy room and... They're going at it. And then this is when I was like, oh, once again. And I was like, it's, this must be the rape that I remembered. No. <laughs> not in the movie. Oh my God. No, it's like a lighthearted movie. No, that's much, not what happens. They do have sex, but it is not like unconsensual. Mm-hmm. And um, then like, it's over. And. Everyone gets mad. They walk out of the copy room. Everyone gets mad at at the two of them. And they kick Rex out. And then Gina's like, am I fired? <laughs> I was like, and Joe was like, I haven't fired anyone else today. And I was like, why won't these people, like, you just got caught having sex on the clock. You should be fired. I mean, frankly, that's not what you're here to do. I got caught up looking up if consen- unconsensual was a word. Um, and, consensual and, is absolutely a word. No, I said unconsensual is what I said. <gasps> oh, uh, I don't um, know. I would say yeah, it looks like one of those. Well, it's a word according to Urban Dictionary, which I think tells us all we need to know. Um, <laughs> let's change that to non-consensual. I, yeah. I hate people misuse words, and then you're just like, "Yeah, girl, yeah, do you?" <laughs> I didn't even clog it. Um, <laughs> so, so that. So anyway, that happens. They're all really. Yeah, you're right. They're all like really upset with him. He gets thrown out. He gets attacked by. AJ, right? AJ is the like, one who we like hate your music because AJ's defending Corey because she knows that. Yeah, he doesn't. AJ hurt. doesn't. Yeah, AJ, yeah, that's it. It has nothing to do with Gina. Um, no, and so that all happens, and which also then he leaves, and then we have this huge like breakdown between um, Corey and Gina in the middle of the break room, and it is like it they're is going like, at each other, amazing. and all of a sudden, I guess we've seen like whispers of it earlier in the movie. I did see Gina. I mean, Corey pop a pill that I thought was like a Mentos or something. Yeah. Um, and then we, and then she's like, yeah, that almost perfect. And she goes over to her little cubby <laughs> and she pulls out these pills that are perfectly placed, by the way, right on the edge of the um the, the cubby. And yeah. she grabs them and she starts throwing them at Corey one by one. And she's like, you want another one? How about one more? And she's and like, like, here's my your perfect life and your perfect school and your perfect whatever. She, I don't she know. calls them, she, she refers to them, they're upper. She refers to them as diet pills mm-hmm. um, at one point. And I know that this was, a, this is like a thing that I know was used in movies a lot. I'm not saying it wasn't real, but I'm saying in the 90s was like peak for like that being like someone's dirty little secret. Yeah. Um, there's a it's lot of speed. We've all seen um, The Saved by the Bell. I'm so that's so what excited. this is. That's I'm so, so funny because I'm, I'm, so, I'm so scared. I'm so sleepy. And that so was a diet pill. 
That was caffeine pills. <laughs> I mean, but like all it's all the same thing though, isn't it? Caffeine like, pills are very different from diet pills. Oh, let God, me Jane. let me break this down yeah, to you. Break it down for me, James. Okay. So I don't know what kind of diet pills were being prescribed in 1995, but doctors basically used to prescribe speed to women in order to lose weight. Um, who we don't know if these are over the counter, like you remember Dexatrim. People yes. used to take those. I remember I had people in high school who would take Dexatrim. Someone I know lost like a ton of weight taking Dexatrim and then like had heart problems. Oh, like God. it was really bad for you. Um, so diet pills could be like they're the ones that she's taking are essentially like from what I understand, speed if they're prescribed by a doctor. I don't know if they still did that in 1995. I know they definitely did that in like the 80s. Um According to like women I've heard speak about it, <laughs> but um, definitely different from like taking a couple of notos and feeling wired. But is is the goal overall like the same to sort of like make you active and like, or is that not the case? Yeah, keep yeah, it's definitely it's 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 definitely to keep you awake, um, so you can do more and keep you you know wired and moving i mean speed is called speed because it makes you feel like you can go 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 i, I thought it was named Kath- after the movie from 95 <laughs> first of all i think that movie was 99 no sorry you're t- i'm sorry <laughs> i was thinking about our previous episode go um which you guys can check out wherever you get your podcasts you love bringing up go if you haven't such a morehead episode yet go ahead <laughs> check it out um but i can't remember what i was saying we were talking about <laughs> but, speed and diet pills it sounds like you could use a little bit because oh, you're like oh. all over the place and it really <laughs> so me and jane are gonna see we get our hands on some uh caffeine pills for the next episode <laughs> and we're just gonna do the whole episode oh higher. caffeine pills i make you just feel like you had a lot of coffee they're not like you know okay so they're two completely different beasts uh, yeah one is a much like more. I mean, I guess you could they take used to, they used to, in like the 1950s. They were like a thing, right? In like the 50s and the 60s, they used to give them Diet like housewives, like high, housewives and stuff. And it was like, yeah, this is what oh, I'm talking gonna... about. This is like, the, but they're like, I mean, I think they did it all the way up through the 80s, honestly. And then in the 90s, it was like no more. But then in the 90s, we got. The I don't way... know the timeline. I'm just speaking out of my ass in terms of timeline. No, I'm we got the way down, down, courtesy of um Gwen. Um. And that was where that sort of came in. We watched the documentary, Jane, the woman with the biggest <gasps> hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when Chandler. That Christian, like, diet guru with, like, the hair from, uh, I, it looked, it, the hi- the highest hair I've ever seen in my life, just height-wise. Was you guys check wig? it out. It had to have been at the end. All right. I think it then. had to have been, like, if not a wig, it was definitely, like, pieces to like fill out what she needed to just check out the documentary it's on hbo it's called the way down it's pretty fascinating yeah no um we're not affiliated with that that church at all in any way not anymore (laughs) we're not affiliated (laughs) with any church because no no church we're not affiliated with we're not affiliated with anyone (laughs) no no bites yet um but (laughs) shockingly but so we have this full scene with the two of them they're going toe-to-toe and then it's a breakdown and then gina ends up leaving um but and then everybody comforts Corey, which is 
ironically like the thing that Gina was complaining about. Um, yeah. <laughs> all the men in the room start like start like cradling Corey and being like, "You're great. It's gonna be fine, girl. You're the you're, best. You're Gina's, fine, Harvard girl. Don't worry. Gina's don't worry monster. about that slut. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about her." life's gonna do her in um and they're all like hugging her and then like gina's left alone and gina <laughs> apparently is a representation of everything evil and wrong with the world because like <laughs> she had sex with rex manning and like yeah. this is when this is when joe is like you you should go home and then she <laughs> says am i fired and he says have i fired anybody today like, <laughs> which is like no a, which is like, ill-advised because there's a couple that should have happened um <laughs> And so Gina doesn't leave. And then funnily enough, okay, so the next time we see Gina, so we've had our time with, you know, this has happened. Deb is like loving it because it's like Deb's whole thing about Corey was her being little Miss Prim and proper perfect. And so it's like after this big breakdown, we see that Deb takes Corey to the bathroom. She splashes water on her face. She offers her some kindness, which has also Mm -hmm. made me roll my eyes because it's like, okay, Deb, so now we can treat her like a human being because she's like shown her like her wounds to the world it's like oh you're not so perfect I'll yeah. miss you now it's like okay but cool. it's that classic like that classic trope in movie is definitely from oh it's the Ali like, Sheedy before. Molly Ringwald moment like right, right. exactly yeah, no, it's it's yeah. full on that but it's just funny because it's like oh, the popular yeah. girl and the outcast somehow it's finds like, common you ground have your problems too um, wait you're it, not perfect it's like and yeah. then the the next time that we see, so then they have this faux mock funeral for um, Deb in the back of the store. The store is packed with people. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, no, again, no one working. No one, no working. one working. There's time for this mock funeral. We've literally, which I believe, would take a long time to put together. Yeah. There's candles. She's sewn like it's a whole thing. Pillows. They're and, all yeah. like eulogizing her. We've got Mark, Ethan Embry's character, just working the front desk, like by himself, flustered. Everybody's <laughs> in line, and everybody's in the back. And then all of a sudden, like Liv Tyler's character of Corey is like, yeah, I really, I hope we see Gina. Cue like we, the corner of the room, it looks like Gina's <laughs> literally just been hiding in an alcove, waiting on somebody <laughs> to say her name three times, like Bloody Mary. And she pops her head out right in time. And she's just like, oh, hey, girl, I'm For here. Corey to this full 180 about Gina. It's like, you were cursing her ass out and now you're like i wish i had the courage of gina i wish i could be who i really am and you know live my life with freedom and grace and blah blah, blah. from it's like you just physically attacked each other yeah <laughs> She's <laughs> and like, this yeah. energy flipped so quickly <laughs> and unless there was a scene left on the cutting room floor because apparently a bunch of scenes were cut from this movie there were four <laughs> characters just cut from the film apparently yeah as they condensed I'm... it down um and i'm so upsetting to see what like, maybe there was a scene that we missed where she sort of goes outside with Joe and he talks to her and they have a really like a moment where she's able to make contact with parts of herself that she hadn't before and <laughs> she realizes that she is Gina and Gina is her and like we need each other in this world you know mm-hmm. but we don't get that we get a really quick pivot and we get Gina <laughs> popping up from out of a closet <laughs> in the break room and she's ready to be friends and and then that's when we find out that Gina wants to sing in a band but she's never had the courage it's like, although it's like, girl, you can like any ragtag band you want to in this town. Like, you work at a record <laughs> store. This is like the mecca for like any of these bands. Everybody here's got to connect. Clearly, because she ends up rocking the stage like ten minutes later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also earlier when I brought up the you know us having Deb, probably seventeen or eighteen year old Deb doing taxes. Yeah. Um, when Joe comes in to talk to her, he squats down next to her and he's like, "Hey, uh, she's cut her hair at this point. She has this sort of." 
macabre energy that I'm sure he's sensing. And he's like, hey, should I call your mom? And then she, and then Gina says, I mean, and then Deb says, yeah, if you get a hold of her, you know, let me get a, let me get a quick chat in too. Since I have no idea what the hell she is. She's like, I'd love to get her number if you can get a hold of her. I'd love to get her number if you can find it in the Southwestern Bell Yellow Pages, baby. <laughs> um, and it's like, why don't you know that about her? I feel like this I know. seems like a defining characteristic. And you're all supposed to be a family. And you don't know that her mother has apparently abandoned her. And it seems like it's been a while. Um, yeah, so it's so unclear. I thought that was an interesting exchange just because I was like, I thought you were the father of this group. But apparently... A lot of stuff's gone under swept and not quite made the headlines for um for old Joe. Um, and then he sort of tries to back out of it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Well, no then mom. also it's revealed at some point that, like, and I there's, like, never another mention of this, but, like, Joe, like, saved Lucas from, like, foster care or something. Yeah. Like, and so he's like, I saved you, like, five years ago or something like that. Or, like, you saved me five years ago and took me here. And it's like, what i'm gonna need more like context and backstory for this but we don't get it and maybe it's within the cutting room floor but it's it's like do you people work together or like are you his foster son (laughs) yeah it's giving me real mr drama and energy and i was looking for gary coleman and todd bridges because i was like (laughs) what you talking about joe um you're his dad um so, so yeah, weird. there was a lot of like yeah stuff, and then also earlier. So we were talking about um, we we're talking about Rex Manning. He leaves the store, but before when he first arrives at the store, he comes in with Jane, played by Debbie Mazer, um, mm-hmm. with a nice little red like um, pixie happening. Yeah, um, it's like a, it's like a strawberry blonde kind of. It's like an orangey red. I it actually like I don't know if you clock this about Debbie Mazar, but like it, I think it really worked for her insanely yes. bright blue eyes. They yes. really popped with that color. No, she looked very nice. Also, yeah. like she's in the break room. Rex is out, like on the floor. She sort of meets everybody, and then people just start sort of making fun of her while she's in the break room, waiting on Rex to finish doing his like <laughs> so his album crazy. signing. And then all of a sudden, unceremoniously, she stands up out of nowhere and she goes over to Joe and she's like, I'm qu- I quit. I'm leaving. And it's like, okay, A, like, why are you telling Joe? And then Joe's tra- Joe's like, wait, hold on, stay. And it's like, what's this relationship? Do you two know each other? Because it's there- like... She- She's maybe she's in, responsible for talent in the Delaware area and like any maybe she's affiliated with a record company and she sort of serves. No, as because like they introduce inter- themselves. So, so you're they right. never met. No. So she goes to Joe's office and she's like, <laughs> I, I quit. I don't work for Rex anymore. I'm leaving. And it's, and it's like, like huh? I don't know if I'm the person you should be telling. And also, are you quitting your job because a bunch of like elite music L- elite teenagers who are work making rec- fun of, first of all like barely make making, fun of her too they barely like make fun like of her they're like roasting you about your client and you're like that's it i've had it i'm quitting literally like, they're what? like huh what do you do oh i work for rex manning he's really great have you guys heard his new album <laughs> yeah yeah like we're listening to rex manning i quit she literally <laughs> like that's the so exchange bad. and she hands one of the children her pink slip and she walks out of the door <laughs> and it's like i never thought about this when i was a kid watching this but as an adult i first of all like when anyone just walks out on their job i'm like oh you must have family money so you can just leave yeah and not like, only are you leaving this job but you just lost a recommendation 
Right, exactly. That that's called burning a bridge, people, and we don't do that. No, not anymore. <laughs> like, and I just was like, "Why?" It's so quick. And then she like comes back later and like asks Joe to dinner, and it's like, "Where?" I didn't understand where the romance was budding. You know, and where have you been? Where'd you go? Where have you, you've been gone, but you came back to the scene of the crime where you quit, and you're like, "I need, I need." To find more about out about this Joe, she who was probably... like saving children, but also like not holding anybody accountable for like wrongdoing. Constantly. She she probably left, realized she had a job, and she was like, "I'm gonna get a." She was like, "I'm gonna get a meal." <laughs> it's was, you know what? <laughs> free meal. She's like, "Let me see if I can get Joe take me on a date real quick." Um, it's a, yeah, she shows back up, which is so strange. Uh, so, so that and then okay. And then we have the another main character in this movie that we haven't talked about yet, um, by the name of Warren. I uh, love Warren. Warren is my favorite <laughs> character, probably in this whole movie. <laughs> Warren, played by Brendan Sexton the mm. Third, um, and his, his his name is Warren and Warren Beatty. They ask him at one point what his last name is, and he says Beatty. Um, it's a joke, guys. But you know, yeah, his funny. name is not really Warren Beatty, but also he's from Welcome to the Dollhouse. Is that a movie that you've seen? No. Okay, I'm adding that to the list because that is also one of my favorite indie movies from around this time. Oh, Jane. And he plays like a, a bully, like a kid who like bullies, whatever. I, I won't well, get Apparently that's away. his that's his energy. Yeah, um, but he does it Big well. bully energy. Um, so he's in the <laughs> store. And this is the other thing that I remember about this movie. Warren is in the store. He's shoplifting. Lucas confronts him. He, ru- he, he runs for it. And they end up, there's this, this like, I would say epic, but it's a fun chase scene where they're all trying yeah. to like, get their hands on. They finally do. Um, and then they hold him in the back of the store for a really long time. It's like 20 mm-hmm. minutes while we're waiting for the cops to get there. Um, and when they, the thing I remembered about this movie was him having all of these CDs that he's, it's like all this like gangster rap and rock. Mm-hmm. And then like, they pull out like a Whitney Houston's debut album, um, Whitney in his pile. He says, it's for my sister. That was the other thing I remember. No, from this movie. I think he said it was for his girlfriend. Whatever. No, it's his sister. I did. I did note this time. I was like, there is no need to be embarrassed about having a Whitney Houston CD. She's literally universally loved. Like, no. don't and worry about it. Anybody who says it. otherwise is a liar. Is an idiot. Is any any of the hardest dudes you know, if you if you don't think that they've got like one of Whitney Houston's albums and their and their Walkman and their Discman when they're walking by with their Casio, you know, Discman listening to the <laughs> tunes, then you're, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. They're they everyone Casio. wants to they're dance. Sony, there's Sony Sport Walkman. I had that um, yellow and black Sony Sport Walkman. Oh, that's a good. I one. got don't it. Drop it though. For, I, got, I think I got it for like a birthday or Christmas or something like that. And I was like, I've never been so fucking cool taking my, my, my Walkman on the bus, putting my headphones on, tuning out all those other children. With like, with it. your like 15, like probably like uh, untenable like collection of like, seat of like cassettes and you're like oh my god just so like a room. bag of tapes i would probably just bring one tape and it was probably just that like, good one no you're right you just bring that good one i do that, remember yeah i remember i had a cd player because i was burning my own cds legally um <laughs> what's napster oh of um course. but i was burnt i remember i had a cd and i put on it um i think i put like tupac on it but it was actually like in sync's debut album <laughs> You were pretending that it was a Tupac CD. I was like listening. 
because I, I, I was I was obsessed with Tupac as well. But I was like, I mean, listening of to, course, you know, digital, digital, get down. Like, <laughs> oh my god, loved that song. No strings and, attached. But that album was iconic and so good. Also, I I feel like I had it lucky because I never had to pretend I I didn't like something because like I was a girl, so I could like everything. But boys definitely no. did not have that luxury. Especially so. you know, especially with a black a black little boy who's trying to cover up that flick of the wrist. Um, <laughs> it's a gangster rap forever. Um, and. Um, yeah, I, I'm yeah. sure no one was fooled. Um, <laughs> is this Especially I promise when you, you like, like to- <laughs> cooed from my like <laughs> my record player? Like, that, does, that does not could sound... hear like from the headphones. <laughs> I know. And they're like, you sure this is this is I am mad at you? It's like, oh yeah, for sure. Boy, he's bomb. Um, <laughs> yeah, no one was fooled. So it's like JC Shazay warbling in the background. You like couldn't be feeling Blowing it. Blowing me up with her love. Um, I was here for those JC solo tracks. It was the only I line. loved that song. That I was wanted good. JC. I was so I wanted upset him that, to make it. I was we'll same way. Gay JT little child. Did. I wanted JC to have his moment, and I felt like it was only right. Like Justin mm-hmm. had justified had come out jc mm-hmm. was right there he was rocking that like early aughts mullet oh I my was god like, that like that flat iron hair that was too long that had like yeah. a flip on the end it was so awful. yes he had tara oh reed god, in the I video i was like this this is gonna be a hit the song's piping hot <laughs> um and i think i'm not the only one who's gonna love it you know and um i was and you it, weren't I loved that song. Okay, it had a couple of like low positionings on um, on TRL. Um, I don't <laughs> think it quite peaked in the top ten, and maybe it maybe didn't... like the low, the low ten, but uh, not the top. Oh uh, my god, this hair was so bad. It was I'm so good like, though. <laughs> the album was called Schizophrenic, which is oh like, my god, uh, which is know, problematic. Right <laughs> but I think he was going for sort of like you know the hodgepodge of sounds that he was putting together to make this like funky fusion album you know his pop he was leaning into r&b like every white Mm. boy did back then Mm -hmm. and um you know commodifying it and i think that didn't quite work out for him the way that was um remember some girls dance with women oh my god yes i was like (laughs) also which is also kind of like it's also a little problematic some girls dance with women knowing that it gets them attention Oh my god, I did not <laughs> even clock that at all. Okay. Anyway, should we should we maybe go yes. back to Empire Records? Okay. So okay. So we <laughs> have so we, so we have Warren. Warren stills these records. This all the icon, the legend, Whitney Houston. That's what led us down this path. She she has that power. She she just mm-hmm. has it. She can take you in any mm-hmm. direction she wants to take you so mm-hmm. so that's that's him he's in the break room he's really like posturing for these people and then and then warren gets arrested and once again another chance for joe at this point it's almost like i would say it's difficult now for joe to to call the cops because it's like we were just there are you that kid was sitting on the couch why didn't you say anything then um <laughs> you're too busy letting these children do your taxes um and so warren Wait, the gets, cops came before and let warren go well no the cops they... came i'm sorry the cops came before and lucas was sitting on the couch next to and there's a oh, moment oh, like see. a will they won't they moment where like it's like 
are they? And then and Warren, yeah. as he's being drug out, he's saying, this guy right here. Yeah, he this guy stole $9,000. He stole $9,000. And so it's like, yeah, that kid said that. And you didn't say anything. And you were standing right there. So, like, at a certain point, it's like, you all, it's going to be questionable for you, like, to, like, you know, call the cops on him. Anyway, so so they take him away. Warren comes back in the middle of that seance happening in the back of the store, and he's got a gun, and he's he's ready to you know to play pop goes a weasel, and um <laughs> and, and Joe casually says they're like what's going on, and Joe's like it's Warren, he's shooting up the place. <laughs> I was like yeah, and everybody's like frothing at the mouth to get out there on the sales floor, <laughs> um and we've got Lucas still being smug and like it's like there's a gun, let's all just like take a moment, and <laughs> humble ourselves. You don't let's- know that those are blanks until later. Let's humble ourselves. <laughs> so we have this full-on situation un- unfolding, and it's craziness. And yeah, so all this is going on. Warren's out of control. They end up getting the gun from him. I think Deb say like that? confronts him because she's got like because she's not scared of death. Yeah. Um. And don't they don't they say that like <laughs> and don't they say like you know the setup you know this was the setup for um. This is when they were like, let's get her, let's get her in a read for the craft. Um, oh my God. She's, she's that girl. She's her uh, first. She's that girl. She's a real I love, one. I, I, Robin's honey, man. She, she was a big part of movies I loved. Oh yeah, <laughs> in, for sure. During this time period. And um, so they get the gun from him and then they also are like, you know, they're like, you can get a job here. And he's like, I can't. Um, that's the thing it's like it ultimately comes out to the fact that like Warren just wants a job there and of course because there is no rules and it's basically like the wild wild west they end up giving Warren a fucking job which is just like we're using every like sliver of power we have to just do what we Mm want to do Um, so Ryan I mean god not Ryan so Warren is employed Warren gets like a name tag and everything. <laughs> and then we have like that sort of pushback against um that happens against like authority as um as like the the character of Mitchell Back who owns the record store, he reveals that like his father was the one who turned it into a record store. His beatnik father or whatever. His beatnik father. So we've got ourselves a yuppie on our hands here at this point. Folks. And Mitch is Mitch is the store owner and he is dressed like every 80s and 90s, you know, corporate villain is dressed. Yes. You know, the suit, the tie, the slick back hair. And you're like, oh, I know from this guy's outfit, he's no fun. <laughs> he's no fun to be around. And then he, and- all of us, and he like very quickly is convinced to just give the store to Joe. Like, and it's like, you're all about money in the bottom line. And it's like, Joe basically sort of like presenting him with like the reality of having to run the store and having to deal with it. And it's mm-hmm. like, for me, I would think that for a guy like this, this would all just be more impetus to sell the store. Like, right. <laughs> and instead he's like, oh, I'm going to just give it to you at like a cheap price to be done with it. And it's like, why? You you still stand to make so much. I, I don't understand the argument that, that Joe is presenting to him that would make it not worth selling this store for however much money he was going to get. Um, to, to buy Well, because people. if he held on to the store and sold it to Music Town, he would inevitably make a lot more money. Yeah. Um, but... I think the whole thing is like these these kids these kids are getting on my nerves. I'm just gonna take my money and go, which isn't is, a sound financial decision. No, and, and he's and he's already revealed his hand and the fact that he's a person who's all about money and that's his bottom line. So it's like, right? Huh? Okay, so you really just gonna give him the store? 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, like, you know. They just I wanted love, to tighten this up. They just wanted to get us get to, us in the yeah. next plot point. And and I, I, I love that. Of course. Because, you know, this was one of the first, like, anti-establishment movies that I had seen. Like, this and, like, Reality Bites where it was like, I'm not going to work for the man. I'm going to do something meaningful. And I don't want to, you know, deal with these corporate motherfuckers who are just all about money and greed and blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't want to be these people. And so this movie definitely spoke to me on that level for sure. And just like coming together as a community to raise money to save an independent record store. That's so fucking cool, you know? And it's like we, it's a question mark as far as how Joe's going to run this bad boy. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't um, seem like that she's running the ship uh, in, in, in tightly, as they say. No. <laughs> and, and also, I want to bring up the fact that a weird random character, um, Played by Coyote Shivers. He plays Burko in the movie. Yes. Coyote Shivers, who at this point was, I believe, was married to Liv Tyler's mother. Yes. Um, which is B. B. so... BB Buell. BB which is so random. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also was recently divorced from Polly Purette, who was on NCIS. She was one with the pigtails, who was like, worked um, in the lab. And they had a Polly. very... Um, Acrimonious, it appears, divorce. Um, oh, I totally recognize her. Yes, I did. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But wow. I thought that was just also interesting. I didn't know that he was married to her. And also, his character on this movie, I don't understand who he is or what he's doing here. Like, he so is, he is. So he's like Deb's, Deb's boyfriend, boyfriend. But they broke up. He's just a person who works at the store who has a band, and he also he moves the story forward because he allows Gina to play with his band. But he shows and, up. But he shows up and he goes next to. And I'm like, what happened? What are you like? They're like alluding to some a specific incident that occurred. And I thought we were going to find out that like Gina had been pregnant and maybe had an abortion or like something oh, like that. I thought it was that they broke up. Oh, maybe that's all it was, but I felt like there yeah. was something else coming for that character that we were going to find out that had sort of like but maybe the breakup was enough that sort of like, you know, f- for Gina Gina's sort of I'm sorry, Deb's sort of state. Like in it just it was just interesting to me because I felt like it was like we just got that one scene and I thought there was gonna be more to that story and there just wasn't. But I think And they're meant to be fair, there may have been um something that they just didn't allude to that, or maybe been lost or in that the cutting cut. Yeah. You know, a million moms marching. Maybe they <laughs> got to them and they got scared. <laughs> a little pressure. Uh but yeah, and we get Renee Zellweger sort of like hinting at what's gonna, you know, earn her an Oscar nomination. Not too far in the future when she's um, hanging oh, out as Roxy Hart in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> cooling away. Um, we get a little teaser of that. You know, uh, one of the things that I'm so disappointed about in the soundtrack is that they have this song, Sugar High, which I love this song. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. But they don't have Renee Zellweger, Zellweger singing her verse. And which I was like, really that's so weird. disappointing. Because I love, I love that... Um, I love them collabing together on this song in the movie. It's such a bummer. Um, but yeah, so when the one of the things too about um, this like benefit that they decide to have very last minute, <laughs> the thing that like, he just like Mark just like goes on the news and is like, oh, by the way, um, we're damn the man save the empire. Like come like come to this live show and it all gets put together in literally like in an hour maybe yeah and then it's like like, everybody's there 
like they've got the money music equipment we've got amps we've got beer we've got like everything and they make a bunch of money but it's like putting an event together like this takes like a month no. at, the, yeah. at the very least and we've I got mean, we need permits also you need permits also to perform on the roof of a building like they're all just like up there rocking out on the roof of empire records and it's like this is an insurance nightmare but I'm, I'm sure like in our old people brains, we watch it and wonder, like, you know, did they have a surveyor come out and approve this? Um, <laughs> is this safe? Is was there, there a risk? Was, they're is there drinking a, on the roof up was there. Was there a risk assessment? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's great. It's 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 great. And they get all their money and Joe's going to do his best to run this store now. Um I'd advise him to get those teenagers away from the tax documents, though. I would advise him to fire everybody and staff up with some reliable people. I mean, just as, you know, for a small business owner, you got to do what you got to (laughs) do. Exactly. You got to pay a little bit more, too, if you want a real person working out. Exactly. (laughs) One thing we haven't talked about at all is the Corey AJ Love confession, which oh, is yeah. like, he picks a like significant the part moment. of this movie. Sure. And was it? For okay, so, so this is so funny because I watched this with Tara, and for both of us, it was like a very significant movie growing up. And towards the end, so what happens is AJ confesses to Corey at 1:37 p.m. that he's been in love with her for five years. She's like Obviously, she's really upset about her interaction with Rex Manning, and he talks to her literally right afterwards, and she's, like, freaking out. He has no ability to read the room and be like, I know you set this time for yourself, but she um, also says, crying. She also says, please, not right now. He says, I have yeah. a question about something. She says, please, like, not right now. She's coming out of the room, still putting her top back on from, like, throwing yeah. herself at Rex Manning, <laughs> processing it all, and he walks up to her. And, like, he just does not understand the meaning of, like, maybe, like, give her a minute. Catch me in 10. Yeah. And so she doesn't take it well because she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't handle this right now. Please go away. And then at the end of the movie, they meet on the roof again. And she's like... she's like does tell him that she's in love with him but she yells at him about him being stupid and not knowing and it's like she's so fucking annoying as the character like i didn't realize how unlikable his character was at the time um because everybody loves her yeah but then they get together and they have their big kiss and it's like you know a significant moment and I was like Tara and I were watching this and I was like oh I love this part this was like such a such a nice like button on the end of this movie for me it's these two kids getting together because as you and anybody who listens to the podcast regularly knows I love rooting for a love story no matter what but Tara was like I barely like remember their interactions like that was not the part of the movie that i connected with at all like i didn't care about Liv tyler i didn't care really about aj at all she's just like i like that's so not the significant relationship in this movie's me and i was like oh that's so funny and now watching it as an adult i'm kind of like he's going to art school in boston this isn't gonna work. Like, also, you know also, I mean? have you gotten into school? Because it didn't sound like it was a sure thing. <laughs> this, 
I wrote this too. It was like at the funeral, he's like, I'm scared to go to art school. And then by the end of the movie, which by the way is the same day, he's like, I'm going to art school in Boston. It's like, honey, it sounded like a couple hours ago you hadn't even applied. And- yeah. Wish the thinking. I mean, I'm sure you want to, but it sounds like you you haven't set anything up. And all I saw in my head was him like trying to like, you know, stay in getting a job at Starbucks, sleeping in her dorm room, and like <laughs> her getting tired of him real fast. Real she starts, fast. Starts <laughs> trying to get some of that Harvard D and like just Kids, being like, if you, you know what? If, if you're listening, never, ever, ever follow anyone to college. No, never. don't do this. This is not Felicity. I I know this is like, I know when you're in high school, you're like, nobody's ever loved like this before. But let me tell you, they have. And Everybody has. Before. Everybody's loved deeper. And everybody's yeah. had realer love. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you guys go ahead and go to wherever school you want to go to and see if you can keep this up long distance? Yeah, and you won't. Spoiler, you won't. Um, spoiler alert, by the first semester, someone else will have been inside you. But but you don't have, but at <laughs> so, least you don't. Why did I say it like that? Because you're not a good person. <laughs> but at least you don't have to worry about getting rid of this person and getting them back on that bus back home. Because <laughs> then you're in the same that, city and oh yeah, God, no thank you. Buy them you. that Greyhound ticket and you help them pack their stuff. And you're like, I'm going to go on in the next semester. And I think it's time for you to figure out what's going on. I heard there were whispers about an assistant management position at the um, Pete's Coffee. Um, fly, <laughs> you know. I'm going to go study abroad and, um, you know, meet lots of interesting have European a lot of men. reckless sexual encounters yeah. um we'll see you on the other side yeah i really wish the best for you aj i really do get yeah. out get out uh <laughs> but yeah so that's uh, that's the movie <laughs> and then of course the final scene on the end where they're all dancing on the roof to that great song everyone's I young and free moment. yeah everyone's young and free they've solved I- all their problems for now I saw that they also that was a the song was a rough cut just for the movie and like there wasn't a mastered version and that's why they didn't put it on the soundtrack. But that kind of sucks and it feels like which song are you talking about? The sugar the, one high? That, the sugar high song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently okay, like that's why there wasn't a version. But it's like you should have put it as a bonus track. Put or the something. yeah, put the Nobody rough cares. cut. We don't care. We love yeah. that song. Um, I mean, you know, the soundtrack is great though. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So did you did you like the movie? What was your? It was a cute was your, one. Um, yeah. It was a cute one. It's very much like a time capsule sort of film. It's always weird yeah. watching these movies from like the early to mid nineties, where you're like, "Oh man, I didn't realize how much of like uh, how much of uh, a moment in time this movie was representative of." Obviously, mm-hmm. because when history is happening, you don't realize it when you're living in it. Um, cue the last three years, uh, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those movies where you're like, oh my god, this is this all exists within this specific time period. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw something online the other day. It was like, here's like, if you want to feel old, think about this for a second. Uh, what was it? How did how was it phrased? N- 1970 is to 2000. What what 2000 is to 2021. 1979. 19, I was going to say Sorry, 1979 be, yeah. is to 2000 what 2000 is to, to, to 2021. And I thought, oh my God, that does make me feel old. Oh my God, that makes me feel very, very, very Right? Old. And the fact that I couldn't keep my numbers straight when I was saying it also gives <laughs> that, That's got to make you feel older. Also, before we, before we end this episode, I do want to go ahead and drag my wife because 
she goes at the very end of the movie, she goes, oh, well, I never really like she was talking about um, Gina, the character of Gina. And she was like, she called her Joey Lauren Adams. And I turned to her and I go, you think that is Joey Lauren Adams? And she goes, that is Joey Lauren Adams. For those of you who don't know, she was in, Joey Lauren Adams has been in a lot Chasing of things. Amy, lot Chasing of Kevin Amy, a lot of Kevin Smith movies. Dazed and Confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zellweger. I think Renee Zellweger was also in Dazed and Confused, wasn't she? Maybe not. Um, but I was like, you think that's Joey Lauren Adams? And she was like, that is Joey Lauren Adams. And I was like, no, no, no. Google it. That's Renee Zellweger. Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> She wasn't dazed and confused as well, yeah. Okay, good. Um, and so she literally would not believe me until she Googled it first. So, That's so And funny. I was like, you thought this was Joy Lauren Adams for 25 fucking years. I, I will say, Tara, I agree with you, though. I did not. Th- and if somebody had asked me who played this part in the movie, without, I would have thought, without seeing it, like, from my memory, my 20-year-old memory, I would have thought it was Joy Lauren Adams. If somebody says, was this Renee, Zell- Renee Zellweger or Joy Lauren Adams who played this specific part, I would have said Joy Lauren Adams. Probably. I think I associate Renee Zellweger with this movie so much that like yeah because, you just know like, it's her so because the first time i saw jerry Maguire, i was like oh that is the girl from empire records you know what i mean like oh uh, yeah so it's a specific, so no. she's always renee zellweger no no matter that the fact that she's done so much like she's still like the first time i saw her was in this movie and that's what i associate her with so i understand but, but they here, do they do look here, what i will say is i just googled google image joey laurie adams and like up at the top when they give you that bar of things like like searches alike the thing yeah or akin to it i saw renee zellweger and i clicked on it and it's a slew of side-by-side photos of Joey Lauren Adams and Renee Zellweger, and they look like the same she- person. It is <laughs> I know. Shocking. She did send me that. I had no much. idea that they looked this much alike. It is crazy. Yeah, they do look a lot alike. Wow. So I'm not... <laughs> It's pretty. It's pretty incredible, honestly. If you're listening okay, to this so and you're bored, you should just just Google it. Google it. And okay, it is I have surprising. The, I have the same thing with um, Javier Bardem and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. I did not know that those were two different people for a very long time. I was. I went the same thing, and there was. And this is awful to say, but I kept thinking, like, why is Javier Bardem doing this? <laughs> and then I realized that uh, it was not it was um, not. Javier because there was a couple of career choices. There were I would moments see trailers for movies, and I'd be like, "You just won the Oscar." Well, Pretty also, much. there's moments where I was like, "Oh, Javier Bardem is like really good at like masking his accent in this. That's amazing." And it's like, "Oh, because that's fully uh, not Spanish person. That's a whole different, <laughs> a whole as different person." <laughs> Like, literally, just, like, <laughs> trying to wrap my head around, like, what in the world Javier Bardem is doing in, you know, an episode voicing an episode in Robot Chicken. <laughs> just like, what? What is Javier Bardem doing on Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> is that... Jeffrey Dean Morgan is on Grey's Anatomy? Yep. That show gotta end. It's too many. It's too many. No, they're gonna keep it going. They're gonna see how long they can do it for. At oh this point, it's God. just a, it's a dare. It's just enough like, is enough. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I will uh, to wrap it up. I will ask you our classic final question. Brandon Greenhouse, would you watch this movie again? It'd have to be like a set of specific circumstances, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. 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 
Um, and then I guess my follow-up question to that is, did you prepare a movie for me to watch this coming week? We actually just wrapped it um, right before we started recording. Yeah, so they're still wrapping up. The boom, um, the boom's still in there. Gil, he's taking care of some final um, stuff from the cast. But yeah, we, we did. No, um, I have a movie for you to watch, Jane. Um, it is... Were you implying that you had made a movie for me? Yeah, that was that was oh god. Um, uh, For the movie I have for you is a movie that is near and dear to my heart. Um, Mm. It is considered a classic by many. Um, Mm. It is the nineteen ninety four film Crooklyn. Crooklyn, that's Spike Lee, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I am very excited. You don't look like No, I'm just I okay, so I think that I've seen that movie before. Oh but I, no. But I don't remember it. So I don't want to not do it. But Okay. I I think we should do it, but I'm just okay. being honest. It's okay. like a it's a similar situation I think with Empire Records. It's like I I know that I've seen that movie, but I can't remember a single thing about it. Okay. So I think um, those movies are okay for us to do. I think so too. And I think that fu- there are plenty of movies. It's our fucking podcast. Yeah, I think that there are plenty of movies that like one of us has maybe seen, but it's been years since you saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that that's okay. So yeah, so I am very excited. I know I didn't like it. Didn't look like I was, but I was just thinking. I was like, "Have you seen this fucking movie?" And I think I have. Maybe I've even seen snippets of it, and not even the whole thing or the so, whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do it. I'm excited. I awesome. can't wait. Okay. Good. All right. Um. Awesome. Well, okay. thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you guys had fun. Um. <laughs> hopefully, it was a trip down memory lane for you. Um. Covering Empire Records. Uh, if you want to hear more of us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed. And obviously the ongoing conversation that never <laughs> seems to end on Twitter, MWM chat. Um, and if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star and write a written review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and we will see you next week for 1994's Crooklyn. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. Let me make out with you and fix you.